Well, have you ever had something going on in your world that was like obvious to everyone else, but was kind of lost on you? Right? I, I've been there. Um, I know when I first got married to my wife, um, and if you didn't know our story, we've been married about four years. Uh, we're kind of a, each other's second go around here. And so we're a blended family. And so my wife, she is so sweet. And I really had to like kind of coax her to be more aggressive. It really wasn't as hard as she got to know me. She was like, all right, I'm just in. Gloves off. Um, but there in the beginning, um, as we were blending our family, that was stressful. I'm also, you know, starting to hit that middle-aged um, type of demographic, and I noticed that my hair was thinning. Um, and I was like, huh, man, this is just, my hair's getting thin. And I'd go to my wife, and I'd be like, babe, do you feel, do you feel like it's getting thin back here? And she'd be like, no, honey, you're beautiful. Um, it, everything looks great. And I'm like, okay, surely my brand new wife wouldn't lie to me. Um, and so I continued just to believe that I had the same head full of hair that I had in my teens. Um, well, then the following summer after our marriage, something peculiar happened. We were out in the pool, and I got a sunburn on my scalp. Now, if you have hair, your scalp doesn't burn. Um, and so I went to my wife, and I said, honey, this is weird. I have a sunburn on my scalp. That's never happened in my 30-some years of life. Are you sure that my hair's not thinning? And she said, no, baby, it's fine. Your hair's there, I promise you. And I'm like, really? I feel like it used to come down farther in the front here, and I don't remember these peaks right here. And she said, no. Um, then some time went on, and something else happened. I had this opportunity to see me from the outside looking in. And so if you guys would, you can show that picture now. Um, it's okay to, to laugh at ourselves. And so this is a picture of right here, I was baptizing um, this young girl, and her mother was kind enough to snap this picture and post it online. I do not have mange, so in case you guys were wondering. I do not have mange, um, but, but my wife's lies were exposed in this moment, and I now had concrete evidence that indeed my hair was thinning. So... It's okay. It's okay. Um, all you can do is laugh at it, right? I mean, God, God does what God does, and, and this, these are the cards that, that I was dealt. Um, but <laughs> oh, oh. I have fun. I like to have fun. Uh, life is like that, though, isn't it? Life is like that, that, that things will go on in our lives that that are painfully obvious to those around of us. And some people will tell you. Some people are far too kind, and, and they don't want to hurt your feelings. Um, and then we begin to get little glimpses of reality. Um, sometimes it's because of our mistakes, the things that we do, consequences in our lives. Um, but, but things begin to kind of break through, and, and we realize that, that maybe something's going on. But it, it's incredibly difficult to see because we live with us, every day, right? And the things that happen in our life, whether they're good or bad, those changes are, are slow, right? And, and it's little steps at little steps in either direction. And so when we're pursuing something good, it can be really hard to see the changes we've made. And they can be painfully, painfully obvious to those around us. So they're like, you're doing so good. And they're, they're encouraging you. And you're like, really, everything feels the same. Well, the same is true when, when we've drifted from the things of God, when we've moved away from who he's called us to be, that sometimes those steps are small. 
And it's hard for us to see. And the people in our world begin to notice them, begin to say things about them, and it becomes painfully obvious to them. And so tonight's message is titled this, Life in the Looking Glass. And what we want to talk about tonight is self-evaluation. Self-evaluation, if you follow our curriculum, um, this is what we call our identify, where we need to begin to evaluate and identify the things in our lives, right? I now know that I need to wear sunscreen on my scalp (laughs) when I get in the pool. And that's the importance of self-identifying the things that are going on in our lives, right? Now, some of those things are a little more important than a sunburn on the scalp. But but nonetheless, the importance of seeing what's going on in our lives, identifying the root cause and addressing it is equally important is important, is it not? And so we need to journey with those things and we need to learn, we need to learn what's going on underneath. And so tonight I want to start off with a key piece of scripture here. This is not going to be on your screen. I'm going to give it to you a little later in pieces, but it's uh, from 2 Corinthians. And if you guys want to write this down, again, we're going to go back to it in pieces. It's 13, um, chapter 13, 5 through 10. And this was written by the Apostle Paul. um, And this was written to the church of Corinth. And so Paul had visited Corinth twice. One, when he established the church, a second time to address some things that were going on in the church. And Paul had already written one letter to the Corinthians. Give you a little hint. It's 1 Corinthians was Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And he's addressing sin in the church, things that are going on. And if you haven't been a part of the church and you're like, I didn't realize this was a church service, what are you talking about sin for? That's just when we miss the mark, that God's given us this mark, this goal, his will, his desire for our lives. And when we step outside of that, we've sinned. Well, the church of Corinth was caught in some things, some false teaching. They were following the desires of their flesh. They were indulging in things they shouldn't be indulging in. And because Paul loved them, Not because he wanted to shame and guilt them. He wanted to grow them. He wanted them to see this. He wanted to journey with them so that they could align themselves with the will of God and begin to experience better life. And so here in 2 Corinthians, again, chapter 13, um, I'm going to read through this. And again, we're going to piece it back out. But 5 through 6 says this. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not... You have failed the test of genuine faith. As you test yourselves, I hope you will recognize that we have not failed the test of apostolistic authority. And so here Paul is encouraging them. Hey, man, test yourselves. And then he goes on. He says, we pray to God that you will not do what is wrong by refusing our correction. I hope we don't need to demonstrate our authority when we arrive. Do the right thing before we come. So he's encouraging, hey, don't refuse our correction. Lean into it. Um, Do the right thing before we come, even if it makes it look like we have failed to demonstrate our authority. So Paul's saying, like, man, get your house in order even before we show up, even if it makes us look foolish. Um, He says, for we cannot oppose the truth, but must always stand for the truth. And then he wraps it up. He says, we are glad to seem weak if it helps show that you are actually strong. We pray that you will become mature. 
I'm writing this to you before I come, hoping that I won't need to deal severely with you when I do come. For I want to use the authority the Lord has given me to strengthen you, not to tear you down. And so Paul's really touching on some things here. Examine yourselves. Examine those in your life. Don't refuse correction. Stand for truth. Lean into maturity. Recognize your strength in Christ. He's beginning to to encourage them. Now, it's really easy to to have things like this given to you, whether it's a letter or somebody verbally addressing things, and to take that and to become defensive. And that's what we do. Or if somebody brings something up to us, we want to get defensive about it and say, that's that's not me. I don't do that. I don't know. It was just one time. I don't know what you're talking about. You've received false information or any of that. And, And that's what we do. We want to get standoffish with it. And Paul's saying, listen, that's not what I'm here for. Again, he'd visited them twice. He's preparing a third time. He'd written them a letter. This is his second, and it's all done out of the love of Christ. It's all done so that they could grow and experience who they were called to be. And so each of us, each of us have things in our lives. I didn't know if you know that, and if you're in here and you're like, well, it's not me, um, you're deceived. Uh, we can talk after service. There's something in your life. Um, it might be addiction. It might be, um, but it could be any number of things. But, but the truth of the matter is that God's word tells us a couple things. One, we've all fallen short of God's standards. So we've all sinned, but not only that, that, that if you believe that you haven't, you're calling God a liar. So those are two places that I don't really want to be in, right? Um, and so we need to realize that there's something there. We all have stuff. And so if you're in here and you're like, I don't know what mine is, great. That's what we're doing here tonight. We're going to evaluate that. Maybe you know what it is. That's good too. You're a step ahead of the rest of us. You've identified it. Now we need to grow through it. And so each of us have things in our lives that drive our choices and our behaviors. You don't do stuff without a reason. There's something driving those choices, driving those behaviors, driving your language, whatever it is. Um, It's our responsibility to identify the root causes of that and through Jesus, correct it, especially the things that are unhealthy. We have to see what it is, and we need to endeavor to change. That's a, that's a part of what we're doing here. Christianity is not about raising your hand and saying, oh, I'm going to go to heaven. That's great. No, it's about living a better life and being better people and growing through things and continuing to grow through things. And even if you're not bought in to the faith and you're not bought in to Christianity, human decency says, don't be a dirtbag your entire life. Take steps to change. So whichever side of the fence you're on, I hope that you'll lean into this because whether you believe or not, it's equally important that, that we lean into this and that we discover what's going on and that we pursue life change so that we can be better. It's even more important if you are a follower because God's word <laughs> commands us to do so. And so, again, uh, we need to identify those things, make those changes. And so tonight, we want to learn to evaluate our lives from the outside looking in. That, that's what that means, life in the looking glass. Looking glass is kind of an old term, but, but it's mirror that we need to self-examine our lives. We, we need to see what's going on. It's good if somebody addresses it and brings it to our attention and lets us know, but until we personally recognize it, we'll never change. People told me I was an alcoholic all the time. The problem was that no matter how drunk I was, I'd only ever had one beer. So, <laughs> so we need to recognize what's going on. We need to take those uh, steps to change. And so seek Seeking to understand, seeking to understand that true maturity comes through an honest evaluation 
of where we've been and where we're going. Again, true maturity comes through an honest evaluation of where we've been and where we're going. And so the process starts when we honestly evaluate our world, and that's point number one. Again, when we honestly evaluate our world, we have to look at the people, the places, the things, the choices, the words, and we have to give an honest account to ourselves so that we can identify the things that are going on and begin to address them. And so going back to 2 Corinthians 13, 5 through 6, this is what Paul started with, and he said, examine, say examine, examine Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. And so right there he's saying, hey, you, you, you identify this way. Like, your words say that you follow Jesus, but Paul's saying, do your actions. The things that you do in your secret world. Does your Monday through Saturday say that this is what is true about you? I mean, so we need to examine ourselves, and we can take that outside of faith. Whatever it is, like, if you're married, does your secret life say that you're in covenant with, with your spouse? I mean, would your internet history say something different? I mean, so we need to take that honest evaluation and say, is this true about me? My words say this. The type of person I present myself as says this. But does my secret life, my secret world reflect that? Does it line up with that? And he continues and he says, test yourselves. Say, test yourselves. That's difficult, isn't it? I mean, because that means we have to face hard truths. I mean, I don't know about you, I don't really like tests. They're hard, they're difficult, especially when it comes to testing ourselves. That means we're going to have to put a little stress, a little strain on ourselves to, to see if what we say lines up with what we believe. So test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith as you test yourselves. So as you're doing this, I hope you will recognize we have not failed the test of apostolic authority. So he's saying, test yourselves, but, but don't stop there. L- look outside your realm too and look at the things in your world. I mean, Paul said, don't just test yourself, but look at us too. And we have the same responsibility in our lives that we need to address the things in our heart to see if they line up. But we need to look at the people in our world too and see if they line up, if they match up to what we're speaking, what we're doing, what we're saying. And so Paul asked the Corinthians again to consider a sobering question. Am I really a Christian? Are you really seeking recovery? Are you really married? Are you really trying to do better with your finances? Are you really trying to be a better parent? I mean, we need to to ask ourselves tough questions if we want to identify the things that are going on in our lives, if we really want to pursue life change, if we really want to do better. And so we have to ask ourselves those sobering, difficult questions. And we're, we're often so ready to test the people around us in a negative way, to judge them, right? Like people close to us, we want to give a pass, and we definitely want to give ourselves a pass. But I don't know about you, but, but I go around in the world outside of here and outside of my realm and I can be very critical of those around me. Can I be real honest with you guys? Today, I struggled in anger all day. The smile that you guys got to encounter is not what anyone else in my life got to encounter all morning or all throughout my work day. And you know what my number one problem was? I was judging people more harshly than I would want to judge myself and definitely more harshly than I would judge myself. Absolutely. <laughs> but it was one of those things. And until, until I came in this room 
and prayed over this service, I didn't even have the opportunity for God to tell me what a moron I was being and to bring those things to light and say, listen, the the standard that you're placing on everyone around you is not the same standard you would have on yourself. And so we've got to honestly evaluate ourselves and our world. And and the same measure we give out is the same measure we'll receive. And and we've got to do that on a continuous basis. Whether it's a big thing like addiction that's wrecking your life or whether it's a small thing like a bad day you're having. That we need to be honest about what's going on. We need to address those things. We need to identify what's going on in our world uh, frequently. And so um, self-examination takes the chill away from your soul. That, I'll be honest, this morning, man, I had a hard heart. I had a hard heart to the people that I was encountering. The ones that I knew, the ones that I didn't know. But that self-evaluation and, and, and just time and prayer and seeking God in those moments, man, it softened my heart to the people in my world. And it softened my heart to what was going on. And so it takes the chill away from our soul. It takes the hardness away from our heart. It takes the shadows away from our life. It sets us free. It sets us free that that I was trapped in anger all day. And for some reason, I was too stupid and too stubborn to take it to God until it was 4 p.m. today. I wish I would have done it earlier, right? But we need to honestly evaluate. Um, One of my favorite verses, I've shared this this with you guys frequently. I'll continue to do so. Um, This is something I pray over my life on a regular basis. And honestly, it was one of the things that God used to open my eyes um, today. It's Psalms 139. 23 through 24, and it says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything, say anything, anything Anything in me that offends you. It's that anything that really gets us. Like that's, that's everything that we're asking God to bring to the forefront of our minds, the things that are comfortable and the things that are uncomfortable. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And so I like that last part because the whole point and the whole purpose is not so I could feel like trash after God brought it to the forefront of my mind. It was so that God could lead me to everlasting life that then until we see it, till we address it and deal with it, we're stuck. But, but once we evaluate our world honestly and allow God to bring those things to the forefront of our mind so they can be dealt with, then God can move us from our situation. God can move us from where we're stuck at and he can move us towards that everlasting life, the better things that God has for us. But that can only happen when our eyes are opened up to what's really going on. And so again, point number one was we need to honestly evaluate our world. Honestly evaluate our world. And so as you examine yourselves and allow God to reveal things, and he will, that's the hard part, he will, What do you do with it? What do you do with the truth? Point number two is this, lean into it. Lean into truth and correction. Lean into truth and correction. That's hard, isn't it? I mean, it's hard when when you're faced with something that's true and you don't want it to be, right? Right? I mean, I don't know about you, but when my eyes were opened up to to my lifestyle not being right and not being what it should be, I didn't want to embrace that because that would be accepting responsibility for where I was at. And I don't know about you, but that's the last thing I want to do. But instead of running from it, we have to lean into it. We We have to embrace it. 
No matter how hard of a truth it is, no matter what type of correction it is, if we want our lives to be transformed, if we want them to be changed, we can't run away from hard truths. And here's the thing, as you journey, as you take these steps, I don't know about you, but this is what I discovered, that, that all of a sudden there was all these things in my life. And, and I, I dealt with shame and I dealt with guilt. And that's not the point of any of this. It's, it's not to knock us down, it's, it's to elevate us. And then I'm like, why was I even going to church anyways? I mean, all, all, all God wants to do is talk about my stuff all the time. All God wants to do is deal with this. And the thing is, it was there anyways. And it was destroying me. And God wanted to bring it up so I could be free from it. And so we have to lean in to truth and correction. 2 Corinthians 13, 7 through 8 says this. Paul again was addressing them. He said, we pray to God that you will not do what is wrong by refusing correction. And so Paul's laying that out, that, that when we receive godly correction, when we refuse it, we're doing what's wrong. Like, that we need to lean into it. We pray to God that you will not do what is wrong by refusing our correction. He continues, and he says, I hope we don't need to demonstrate our authority when we were arrive. So he's saying, listen, I don't want to have to deal with you harshly. That's not, that wasn't Paul's goal. Paul's goal was not to come in there and whip people or, or any of those things. He wanted to love them. He wanted to be a brother to them. And, and being that required that he told them hard truths. That's the thing. True godly friends are required to address the things in our lives so that we can grow, so that we can experience the things that God has for us. And so he says, I hope we won't need to demonstrate our authority when we arrive. Do the right thing before we come. Do the right thing. And it's hard. It's hard to do the right thing. Sometimes we need those consequences to kick us into gear. But, but Paul's like, I hope you do the right thing. I don't even want to have to deal with it, but I will if I need to. And so he says, do the right thing before we come, even if it makes it look like we have failed to demonstrate our authority. For we cannot, say cannot. We cannot oppose the truth. Paul's saying, listen, I can't sit here and pretend like things are happening that aren't happening. Like they have to be addressed. And he's saying, you can't either. That, that when we do that, when we choose to go through life blindly, pretending like everything's perfect, when in fact everything's on fire, that, that, that we're in the wrong. And so I, we can't do that. He said, for we cannot oppose the truth, but must always stand for the truth. Can't oppose it. We have to stand for it, even if it's difficult. Even if it's difficult. Even if what you're doing goes with culture. And nobody outside of the church says what you're doing is wrong. That when we step into this, that even in those circumstances, even in those situations, we have to lean into truth and accept it if we want to stay in the will of God. And the Corinthians, they knew what was right. They knew what was right, but they were still allowing themselves to be drug away from truth. And so we often know what's right too. And we make every excuse. We make every excuse to keep doing what we're doing and to get as far away from truth and correction as we can. But if we want to grow, if we want to get over that roadblock, if we want to get on the other side of that hurdle, we have to lean into it, embrace it. Stop running from every person that says what you're doing is wrong. Stop running from every reflection in life that reveals something that's a stain on your life. Begin to lean into it. Begin to deal with it. And so 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says this. It says, all scripture is inspired by God. And so 
All scripture, that, that's your Bible, the, the word of God. All scripture is inspired by God. And the thing is that God's given us this in those moments when, when maybe we're struggling with truth and correction. And t- uh, Paul continues, he said, it's useful to teach us what is true, say true, and make us realize what is wrong in our life. So, so God's given us instructions. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. So if you're ever on the fence, if you're ever deceived, if you're ever wondering or struggling, God's given us the answers up front. All scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true. It goes on um, and it says, and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Now, Again, is, is that so we can feel that guilt and shame and, and like we're not good enough? Not at all. The, the God's goal, like Paul's goal, is not to make us feel that way, but, but through truth, help us to experience his love as he lifts us up and brings us to a better place to lead us to that path of everlasting life. Then all of this is done in love so that we can experience what God has for us. But human nature... Culture, the things outside of here, it says when we're faced with that, if it goes against what's in our heart, it must be terrible and we need to run from it. Or maybe it must be bigoted or any number of things. But, but God's saying lean into this. It's so that you can be led to a better life, a better experience. For all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is um, true and help us to realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And so any parent in here knows that that correction, when we do that with our children, is done in love, isn't it? That, that when we reveal truth and correct what they're doing, it's, it's never because we hate them. It's because we love them. And the same is true with God, but we, we treat it totally different. And it's like, oh, God must be disappointed in me. He's bringing all this truth. I mean, he's, he must be disappointed in my life and he must hate me. I'll, I'll never be good enough for God. And so, but that's, that's what we do with him. But it's the same that we do with our own children. It's out of love that God brings these things to our minds so that we can, so that we can grow, so we can mature, so we can change, so we can experience who he created us to be. God's word is like a mirror. It's like a mirror that, that when we leave the house, before I came here today, I looked in a mirror. And again, it wasn't so I could see my bald head and, and feel terrible about it. it. It's so I could get myself halfway presentable with what I have left and, and get out into the world, right? And, and that's what God's word for. It's not for anything other than helping us to realize truth and receive correction so we can grow and experience all that God has for us. I love this. This is out of John 17, 17. And this is Jesus speaking. And it says this, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. That, that as we lean into God's word, as painful as it is, as we lean into truth and correction, as difficult as that may be, that it's one of these things that God uses to make us holy. And that word holy, as churchy as it sounds, it means to set apart, that, that, that we get to experience what it's like to be God's children, that the heirs of Christ, something better, something different, that we get to be set apart from the world. All of that pain, all, all, of, all of that out there, and God sets us over here and allows us to experience true joy, not superficial happiness, that God allows us to experience true love, not, not, not following our heart in fleeting passions and desires. That, that through God's word, we're made holy, we're set apart by God's truth 
And it says, teach them your word, which is truth. And so we need to begin to lean in. Again, point number two, lean in to truth and correction. No matter how difficult it is, we have to learn to accept it, to embrace it. And it's all for this, point number three, so that we can grow and mature. And that's what we do next. We need to pursue growth and maturity. We need to pursue growth and maturity. Um, It's human nature. It's human nature to run away from the consequences. Um, I never had to teach my kids to lie. All they had to do was do something wrong and me ask them about it. And and all of a sudden, they knew how to lie, right? I mean, it was just like, it was like magic. I mean, nobody had to teach them that, right? Why is that? It's in our nature. It's in our nature to push back from the things that are growing us. And, And what typically grows us? Does comfort grow us? No, man, it's the hard times that forge us, right? And make us strong and bring us to who God's created us to be because we have to lean into him, right? We have to accept him. And so that's the kind of things that grow us. And so consequences, though, we want to turn away from them. We've been doing this since the beginning of time. I love it in the, in the book of Genesis when God's, you know, He's creating everything. He's made Adam and Eve. He's placed them in the garden. He's given them this one rule. Hey, don't eat from this tree, the tree of knowledge and of good and evil. And, and Adam and Eve, they're deceived and they eat it. And God comes and addresses them. I love this. It says, who told you you were naked? Because they had this realization of things that were going on. Um, the Lord asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. And even though Adam's not a child, when I read this, I just think of my own children. Like when I'm asking them a question, and I know that they're going to give me some bullcrap answer, right? And it's just like, ah. And so Adam, <laughs> he said, the man replied, it was the woman, right? Um, the woman gave me the fruit, even though Adam was there the whole time, right? And so it's just human nature to avoid those consequences. And we're faced with truth. We're faced with potential correction. That's what God's doing here for them in the garden. It's all out of love, right? They had this opportunity, and they missed it because they defaulted to nature, which was to be like, nah, that's not for me. And so they avoided this opportunity. And, and Adam immediately said it was the woman. And you know what the woman did? It was the snake. It was the snake. It wasn't me either. We don't even know how this fruit got eaten, right? I mean, it's like the kid with cookie crumbs on their mouth. We don't know what happened here. I haven't seen any cookies. Adam, you seen anything? No. And so this human nature to run from these things. But we've got to pursue growth. We've got to pursue maturity. And when we do that, we have to lean into things, including the consequences of what we've done, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. And so um, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13, 9 through 10 says, we are glad to seem weak if it helps show that you are actually strong. We pray that you will become mature. Say mature. Mature. That that Paul's desire for them was not to be punished, but through all of this to experience maturity, to experience growth, to learn from what had happened so that they could experience better life. And so we're glad to seem weak if it helps show that you're actually strong. We pray that you will become mature. I am writing this to you before I come, hoping that I won't need to deal severely with you when I do come. For I want to use the authority the Lord has given me to do what? 
to strengthen you. Paul's desire was to strengthen them. Wanted maturity for them. And the, the reason for Paul's visits, the reason for Paul's letters was so that they could be strengthened, so that they could grow, so that they could face life. To strengthen you, not to tear you down. Not to tear you down. And so that's, that's the goal of all this. And we have to lean into truth, lean into correction, and we have to pursue growth, which is knowledge, right? We need to know what's going on. We need to know God's word and then maturity in it. And maturity is that come into that place where we can follow it, where we can act on it, where we can stand strong. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, it says this. Now these are the gifts. This is the apostle Paul speaking. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And so these positions were given by God, right? And that's great. But guess what? There's other people too that were placed in your life. That God gave the church, the body of Christ, people to raise up and to equip each of us, right? And, and that's important. But there's also people in our individual lives that have the same charge that pastors do, that teachers do. And just like when you hear a pastor say something that you don't like, no matter how true it is, and you want to change churches, sometimes people in our lives have hard truth, and we want to change friends. But we have to lean into this. We have to pursue growth and maturity. Ephesians 4.13 says this, this will continue. What will continue? That... Um, they will equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature. Say mature. Mature, mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That, that our goal in identifying the things going on in our lives is not guilt and not shame. It's so that we lean into God. That, that's God is truth, right? God is correction. He, he wants to do that. He wants us to embrace it so that we can mature, so that we can grow, so that we can experience the fullness of what God has for us. Again, if I never sat down and was honest with myself and said, you know what, Aaron? <laughs> you're, you're a real piece of work. Like, you drink too much, you treat people badly, and a whole lot of names that I can't say up here on the platform. But if I had never done that, could God have opened my eyes and grown me? Absolutely not. I would still be trapped in the life that made me miserable. And so all of this is done so God can move us from where we're at and move us to a better place. And this process doesn't stop. It doesn't end. We need to continuously identify the things in our lives and lean into these things and pursue growth and pursue maturity. And it's a process that goes on and on and on until the day that Christ comes back. Again, not because he wants our lives to be difficult, because he wants us to experience the best life that we can. And so measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And then verse 14, as we close, it says this, then, say then, then we will no longer... Be immature like children. You ever known somebody that, that goes through life immature like a child? If you knew me 10 years ago, it's okay to raise your hand that, that you knew somebody. My sister's itching her face. Yeah, there she goes. She's like, hand up. Um, that we do this so that we can step out of that maturity. Again, I have six kids at home. My number one goal with them is to get them out of my house. <laughs> Not because I don't love them, because I want them to live their own life. Like, I need to get them to a place of maturity so that they can begin to do good work, right? 
I mean, so they can begin to build families, so they can begin to impact their world. There's a goal with this, and there's a goal with what God does. He wants us to be mature, to not be like immature children. And it continues. It says, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. So we need to learn truth. We need to grow. We need to mature so we're not being tossed around, knocked off course continuously, having to restart, taking 10 steps back so we can take one step forward. We need to lean into it so we can continue to press forward into what he has for us. And then he says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. That the whole point of this, the whole point of identifying the things in our lives and leaning into it is so that you can experience the the fullness of Christ in your life, in your life. Not so you can just look at other people and say, man, I would love to be like them. I wish that, that I could be that kind of husband so I could be that kind of father. I wish that, that I was as good as them and, and, and all this. No, we have the opportunity through Christ to break every chain off of us, every chain of addiction, everything that holds us back, to tear down all those strongholds of the enemy, but we've got to stop allowing ourselves to be deceived into thinking everything we do is okay. We have to have the courage to look at ourselves in God's mirror and say, I'm missing it there. I'm going to do, God help me. God help me to conquer that. We have to identify those things in our lives so that we can experience what he has for us. And that's the point of it all. That God gives us salvation and then God grows us here so that we can then go do the good work. So we can go reach the people for him. And so we can be mature, not immature like children. And so we can't just show up, raise our hand and sit in a seat. We've got to do work too. God did the first part, right? He picked us up out of the, the depths of hell. He set us free. He saved us. Now it's our turn. It's our turn to push back, to fight back and to grow and to experience who he's created us to be. And so tonight, man, to recap, I know I want to get you guys out of here. <laughs> Point number one, we've got to honestly evaluate our world. Honestly. Don't lie to yourself. Man, and it's not so you can feel terrible. It's for the exact opposite. So you can experience the fullness of God in your life. Honestly, evaluate your world. Number two, lean in to truth and correction. Human nature says run the other way. But God... He wants to love you. He wants you to embrace truth and correction again so you can experience his love and grace. So you can experience God's love and God's grace. And then number three, we have to pursue growth and maturity. If I was up here still acting like I was 14, you guys would see a, a real issue with that. And as Christians, man, we, we get stuck in the church for years and we act the same exact way that we did on day one. But we've got to pursue growth and maturity. Just like we want our children to grow, and just like we know that to be a good thing, that the same is true with our spiritual walk, our spiritual growth, that we have to pursue growth and maturity, that, that change needs to take place in our lives. So again, so we can experience the fullness of God. A couple of action steps for you guys tonight. Honestly, evaluate yourself and your environment. Begin to look at the people, the places, the things, whatever it is, honestly evaluate. Um, and I'll be honest, I failed. I meant to have a sheet for you guys out there to, to kind of work through that next week. We will, um, and I'll put it online, post it on tonight's message. But we need to honestly evaluate yourself and your environment. Number two, complete our identity worksheet, identify worksheet, which I will have later. <laughs> 
And then endeavor to heal and grow in the area you identify. That it's not enough to see it. It's not enough to see it. You've got to begin to do something about it, right? I mean, I could have known I was an alcoholic for 10, 20 years, but until I started to step into it and do something about it, it didn't matter. And anytime that I recognize I'm a bad husband, if I don't take those steps, I won't be a husband forever, right? That, that we need to identify those things and then we need to endeavor to heal and to grow in those areas to be better and to do better. And so all of this though, it, it, starts, it starts with leaning into Christ and realizing that, that again, we all do fall short, that there's not a single person in here that's faultless, right? That, that we need to, to recognize that each and every one of us have failed in some way and continue to do so and that we need Christ. And so um, tonight as we close, that if you're in here and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, that's where this all begins, right? That, that we can't do it on our own. Our own strength is what gets us into the hard places and causes us to fail and to fall. And so we need to recognize that we need him. And so again, if you're in here, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, that's step one. And here after service, we're gonna have our chip prayers and huggers up here. They would love to pray with you and for you so you can make that decision tonight. And if, if you're uncomfortable with this, find me after service. I would love to pray one-on-one -on -one with you and to lead you in that profession of faith so that you can experience Christ in your life. And if you're in here and you've maybe done that before, you've gotten off track, you, you failed, you've blown it, you stepped away from church, you stepped away from recovery, and you're like, you know what, it's, it's time. It's time that, that I come back home, that I step back into it. If that's you, then, then we want to pray with you too. And so I encourage you to come up front and allow us just to journey with you as you come back home. And then if God's laid something on your heart tonight and it's just been pressing and just that you know it's there and you know that it's time to deal with it, that it's time to lay it down, we're going to have our white chips up here at the front. And I want to, I want to challenge you to take that first step of stepping out of your seats here at the end of service and grabbing one of these chips and saying, you know what? This is no longer going to be a stronghold of the enemy. This is going to be a victory for God. And begin to grab those chips. So, and it's just a reminder. It's for you. It's not for us. It's something that you keep so you know, I've given this to God. He's going to deal with that. And then lastly, we love you. We love you. We want to journey with you. One of the ways we do that is through prayer. That, that this is a house of prayer. And so if you need prayer for anything, whether you've made a decision or you want to celebrate a victory or there's just something that you need dealt with in your life, anything at all, we want to pray with you. And so if that's you, again, to give your life to Christ for the first time, to recommit, to get a white chip or just to pray with somebody, I want to encourage you to come down front and just join us um, for that. And if you guys would, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.